Welcome to a Sound Effect Podcast, the podcast about sound effects. My name is Christian Halskjær. And I'm Asbjørn Andersen. Welcome back to another episode of the Sound Effect Podcast. We've got some uh, some great stories waiting for you, and it took a bit longer than, than we hoped to get them ready, but we can't wait to share them with you. Christian, can you present some of the uh, stories that we have in store for today? Yeah, I spoke to uh, Kostas Lukovikas, uh, a Greek uh, indie sound effects guy who runs the company SoundX Machina. We spoke about his company and the way he works and creates his uh, sound libraries and um, his uh, thoughts on, uh, on on recording uh, in the studio and in the field. And uh, also he uh, shared one of his uh, recording adventures where things got a little bit nasty at the end, uh, I think we can say, uh, but more about that later. And uh, recently I spoke to Michel Marchand who runs uh, Bonson Sound Effects uh, in Canada. Some of you probably know him for uh, releasing the Sound Effects library Wings uh, a while ago, and recently the library called Stomps, which is a whole lot of uh, monster and creature footsteps. And I talked to him about that and how he did it and uh, his creative approach uh, to that. Also, I talk a little bit about um, my own approach to field recording and uh, how to plan it, basically. First off, let's hear some of the interesting new libraries that have been added to a sound effect recently. Dimensions by Millie Sound Design is uh, a collection of sci-fi doors and secret doors, blast doors, gates, and so on, uh, with a very uh, industrial feel and uh, lots of interesting mechanical movements. Castles by Soundmind is a collection of sounds collected in uh, old castles in southern Poland. These are focused on the acoustic environments of both indoors and outdoors, small and large rooms. Also, uh, wherever interesting objects were found, some additional sounds have been made with them. And, of course, you also get recordings of a medieval torture chamber in there, so uh, enjoy. Ampersonic Steam Trains by Detunized is a series of recordings of railways in Germany recorded from various positions on the train, including the driver's position. You also get recordings of passbys and various uh, service operations. Since the format is uh, ambisonic, you have a lot of options when it comes to decoding and shaping your sound for your application. So uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. 
Sound designer Michel Marchand is the owner of the sound effects company Bonson and the maker of the new Creature Footsteps library, Stomps. Michel, can you tell us a little bit about your career and your company and your new sound library? First thing, thank you for inviting me to the program. My name is Michel Marchand. I'm a Chilean sound designer with a French name, that's weird, but uh, that's my life. I started my career like 24 years ago. I started doing the post-production sound for TV commercials in my country, in Chile, uh-huh. for around five years. After I moved to Mexico, continued doing the same thing for another great company, MCO Studios. And it was great, a lot of pressure, uh, but I learned a lot of tricks to work fast, you know, that's the good thing, exactly. And after I moved to Montreal, Canada with my girlfriend, she's uh, from France, and we moved here and I started working doing sound design for video games. And I did this for another 10 years. Uh, it was really fun. I worked for another great company called Web Generation at that time. Um, the good thing with this company was that we have a lot of different projects and it was great for me because I worked for uh, first-person shooters like uh, Army of Two, um, I did uh, creatures on design for uh, games like Terra, uh, I did a lot of iOS games for children, I like that also, a lot of different projects and that kept me busy for that 10 years but after 10 years I decided to move and just at that moment Jean-Pascal Baudouin and he was looking for someone to help him um, in the audio department at uh, Headspace Studio. Headspace Studio is the audio department of Felix and Paul Studios. They are some of the pioneers in virtual reality and that was really new for me at the time. Uh, it was great. I just say yes, and I had two great years working with them, and I learned a lot again, a lot of new things for me. Uh, it was very exciting time, but uh, after two years, I decided to uh, leave my job and to spend more time uh, doing sounds for Bonson, my company, and to doing freelance for other people. Uh, it was a personal decision, very hard, but uh, hopefully it's going to work, and, and we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I keep you posted. <laughs> So those are the two things that you're doing. You're doing your sound effects and you're doing freelance work. Exactly. Right now in 2017, uh, the plan is to keep uh, have more time to keep growing Bonson uh, and start doing uh, continue doing uh, freelance for friends and companies that want to work with me. That's the idea. Tell us about your new sound library, Stomps. Uh, I have to ask uh, how, how you got the idea to do such a massive library. I think it's eight and a half thousand sounds right yes it's a lot of sounds how did that how did that come about <laughs> okay um when after wings that uh, for me was a big uh, surprise and was a big success yeah, um, yeah it was I, i'm happy with that we thank you uh, i was thinking what is next um i like uh, fantasy i like science fiction i like um uh, create uh, new sounds and i think stomps was the continuation of this uh, we have the wings now we we need the foots <laughs> you know 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was obviously. like some, exactly some, something normal, no? And uh, it started like an idea. Obviously, I start uh, doing a research first. Um, my research uh, start with films. I like a lot of movies. I did a big research, the uh, things that I like for many movies, like all we love, no? Like Lord of the Rings, uh, Jurassic Park, etc., etc. I know Pixar movies. Yeah, yeah, classics. Yeah. Exactly, classics. Uh, not not that classic, like um, uh, Pacific Rim, you know, typical things like big, big sounds, no? Mm-hmm. That was the beginning. I say, okay, there are a lot of reference or sounds that uh, inspire me, and I, I want to do this. Uh, I know it is going to be huge work because uh, footsteps is a big category, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, fortunately, um, everything goes well. So I just put my energy there. Uh, it was a very hard production for me. Take a lot of time, more than I was thinking. But at the end, I'm very happy with the results. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so, so that makes me want to ask uh, what the process is like of making a library like this one. You sort of talked a little bit about that from your initial idea to the final release, but it's a long stretch of work. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about some details there? Uh, how do you structure that work? First thing is I have uh, some notebooks in paper and I take notes all the time. Yeah, okay. Things like I, I want to do or when I have an idea, I just put it in paper. I started with the research and I saw there there was a lot of potential. Uh, when I was like sure I want to do this, I start contacting my um, close collaborators. I have a uh, uh, some people that I really love to work here in Montreal and they 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 work with me and Wings and I want to work with, with them again in this collection. Uh, one of them was uh, Joe Caron. Uh, he's a veteran uh, Foley mixer. Okay. He has more than 200 credits in films here in Montreal. He do everything. He's a nice guy. I love to work with him. He, he has a lot of experience, but at the same time, he wants to experiment. He gave me the time and the space to direct, and it's very, very nice to work with him. Or I talk with Joe and I say, I have this project. What do you think? He say, let's do it. Um, also, I worked with uh, Guy Francoeur, that was my Foley artist. He's another veteran, like a uh, lot of films. He knows very well Foley. Always uh, a pleasure to work with him. And we start doing this. Uh, I, I start planning. We plan um, uh, three days of Foley in the studio. And uh, we start uh, looking for props, uh, uh, things that we wanted to do. And we start collecting these things. Although we did the list, uh, we started testing things and we start recording. We start recording and we, we spent um, three days in the studio. Uh, and we did one day in the forest. Forest was great. We, we take, uh, Joe has a portable studio with Pro Tools, everything. Uh, and we, we bring all our stuff, all the props, all the, all the things uh, in, in a chalet close to a lake. And uh, we spent a whole day there recording uh, big impacts with all kind of things. And was a lot of pressure, a lot of good uh, sonic material we, we came back with. It was great. Sounds like fun, actually. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's very fun. It's very fun. Uh, you know, we are sound designers. We are all the day close in the studio working, you know. Uh, when you have the opportunity to go out and record things with uh, nice people and to learn, that's, that's the, the most important thing you are learning. Uh, I love it, you know, it's just uh, yeah. like you are paying me for breath, you know, <laughs> to to, yeah. to to drink water, you know, it's like uh, something yeah. great, you know. Um, yeah. That was really, really fun. And, and after when I went back with all these recordings, I have no idea how many 
gigs, but was a lot of material. And just start the editing process that was very long. At least uh, I take four months like uh, part-time. And after I take two months full-time working in these sounds just to clean the sounds, choose the best takes, create the variations for the source material. It was very long. And after I did the textures, um, that was sounds that were not exactly footsteps, but there are sounds that you can use for your work. It's really, really useful to give some twists to your footsteps. Yeah. And finally, I did the design category that was the more time consuming mm. because I wanted uh, big sounds like uh, sci-fi sounds, etc. And they take time, you know, the, a lot of try and error, layering sounds, processing sounds. But I think I, I'm really happy with the result. Yeah, well, they, they, they certainly sound good. Uh, I have to say. Ah, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, I'm really happy with the result, and people are sending me good, really good feedback. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I just forget to mention something important in the process. At the end of the editing of the three categories, I have to do the metadata. Um, for the metadata, I oh, have... Oh, yeah. Well, yes, that's a big, 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 big monster. Um, for that, I have another close friend, a uh, uh, close collaborator. His name is Paul Cole. Um, he's an audio editor here in Montreal. He works for um, a studio called uh, Sonomar. That is the studio of another great uh, friend, Martin Pinsonot. This is another sound supervisor here. We have a close community here. And I work with him. Uh, we talk what I was expecting for the metadata. And Paul, he has a lot of experience doing this. And he came back with uh, great, great resources. Fantastic. So you had some 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 uh, some very some really good collaborators on this. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm really happy I have these people because it's really nice to work with the people that it's nice to work with. And they are good in what they do, you know. That's that's the, for me is the most important thing. Yeah, that must be a very big help in a in a big project like this. Yes, uh, yes, you need help. Yeah. Yes, yes, you need help. You cannot do everything. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned your first library, Wings, and where I saw that you you uh, you did this thing where you divide the sounds into these specific creatures, and and so you've done that again with the uh, stomps. And I was just wondering if if that's. You said you would take notes and come up with ideas, but do you get the ideas for these creatures before you go and record it, or how do you do that? Um, the process is reverse. I do the sounds, and once I get everything, the, the source material and the texture, uh, at, at that point, I, I will start creating the design category, you know? When I, I start layering sounds, you know, and sometimes, you, you know, you hear a sound and say, oh, that's uh, it's a, it's a big uh, robot or that's a big uh, snow monster or whatever, no? When I hear something like uh, remember me, some creature or something, I say, okay, this is good. And I, st- I take that sound and I start creating the variation. I start polishing the sound and making some design just to, to make it big. It's not inverse. I start hearing the sounds and when they relate me to some creature, I start doing the creature, you know? Okay, so you sort of you need the raw material, and then you and then you take a look at it and see what is this, and and sort of get ideas from that. Exactly, exactly. I take my my source material that is uh, all the props we record without processing, and when I start layering them and changing pitch and all the things some designers do, uh, some magic start happening. You know, oh, this is good for this. Ah, oh, this is good for that. You know, um, that at least that that's my process, and I think it's very good for me. Could I ask about some of the the source sounds or maybe some of the props you used for this? Because I saw you have a plunger in there, but there must be other interesting things that people can sort of get inspiration from. Sure, sure, sure. Um, typical boxing gloves. I, I really love it. Boxing gloves in uh, 
different surfaces were great. Uh, a water bag was sounding very good also. You know, this thing you put with hot water in the, in the bed. That was great for some aquatic things. Um, a ski. A ski boots. Uh, really, really impressed me. Uh, the, this was, uh, they are from hard plastic, you know. And when you hit these bots in different surfaces, they give uh, some crunchy sound. I, I really like it. It has a lot of character. And also, <laughs> uh, it's great. And also Guy, he's a ski um, teacher. And he knows well the boots and he knows how to get sounds from there. You know, it's not just uh, normal walking. It's doing, changing a little the angle of your foot, change the sound, you know? Yeah. And that wait, wait, it's, it's a huge difference. And having a, a veteran Foley artist is great. It must be a huge um, help. Exactly. Wait, uh, other thing I really like it uh, was uh, uh, a smoothing iron. You know, in metal, it was an old uh, smoothing iron uh, and sounding very metallic, like uh, very, very good. Okay. Um, a lot of character, great for uh, creatures, for uh, robots, things like that. And the last one was a folding uh, wheelchair. When you hear, you cannot say why. Why is the prop that is producing this sound? It's just, it's just great. It just has a lot of character, and you can use that in many, many things. And I like uh, when I have a prop that produces a sound that you cannot identify the source. I think that's uh, the best props are like, oh, what is this? Sounds great. What is this? And that was one of my favorite props. You know? Yeah. Um... Okay, yeah, so so um, for you, what makes a good footstep sound? I mean, this is, obviously, these are not human footsteps, uh, mostly, I guess, or yes. even close <laughs> to it. So, so uh, what what for you was a, was, a, was a good footstep here? For me, it depends on what are you looking for. Personally, I like a lot the big ones, you know, with a lot of bass and a lot of character, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the snow boots, like I say, they were great, but there are many, many props that produce some great sounds a lot. Um, I like it, the big things, you know, but also with it, for example, we have some gloves and Guy, he put some nails in every, in every finger, nails from metallic things in every finger, or he put some plastic things. And with this, he was doing like things oh, like that. Yeah. And it's great for small creatures, you know, um, we have a very wide range of sounds. We have from, from harsh sounds like very high frequency oriented. We have medium and we have a lot of things with low. Um, I think you have a lot of colors to paint with this library. And I think it depends what you are looking for is, is the sound you're, you're going to like. But I like big ones in general. Yeah, that's your personal yes, favorite. Per- personal favorite, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if you could describe the process from start to finish, maybe something that you layered from different elements. Yes, or... yes. sure. For example, for a, there are a heavy robot, like uh, I was, um, I, I create. This was a mix of a wheelchair, a va- a vacuum cleaner, a metal bar, and a rock crush. Uh, like uh, with these four sources, obviously process it. When you hear this, it's a, it's a robot. It's course. just, uh, it's, it works perfectly. Um, here an example. These are the design sounds. And now I'm gonna play the source material that I used to create that sound. I use a wheelchair, vacuum cleaner, metal bar, and a rock hit. And again, all together process it sounds like this. Here another example, this is called Mech Mechanical, it's from the design category and sounds like this. 
And to create those sounds, I use a ski boots, a car door, and a walking support. And again, all together sounds like this. Cool, very cool. Thank you. When do you think, okay, this is enough for a sound designer to work with? I shouldn't do any more. How much for you is, is enough? This is a good question. In some cases, my minimum is 10, 10 variations for sound. That's the minimum. But in general, you have 20, 25. And, and I think in some cases I have like 50 or 60. Why I have so many variations for one prop? Because when we were recording was sounding so good like I say okay I I, I don't want to put 25 why they are song they sound great and you can use for many other things you know I just uh, if the prop sounds good and the sound is good I want these variations in the library because people is going to be useful for everyone you know yeah but in some cases you have a good sound but the prop sounds near the same you know and in that mm. case, maybe I'm going to just keep 10, you know, the minimum. There were some cases that the, the sounds were really good and I just wanted to have as much variations as possible, you know. Yeah. So basically, you trust your ears and you trust that if it sounds good to you, it probably sounds good to someone else. That <laughs> has been my philosophy and my company. And I think it normally it works, you know. Yeah, it, it seems to work. I have a lot of experience uh, um, I, I'm just trying to give uh, as much as I can to the sound designers and sound editors. And I think they, they appreciate having all these variations. I think it's a good thing for everyone. Looking back at the whole project of Stumps, what's been your favorite thing about the whole thing? Um, I think my favorite thing was the uh, the recording, having fun with the Joe and Guy uh, in the studio and in the forest was uh, a lot of pressure. In this collection, especially, I think the design uh, category was uh, also a, a big uh, pleasure for me because um, I was creating some great sounds that I like it and hopefully people is gonna like. It. But uh, the source category is great also. They're gonna have all the raw material if they want to create their own footsteps. That's the idea. It was a, a really a, a great project for me. Well, thanks a lot for joining us and for telling us about your work and your interesting new library. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you very much for inviting me to the podcast. And keep in touch. See you soon. Bye. I'm here with Kostas Lukovikas, and uh, he's the man behind the sound effects company Sound X Machina. And hello, Costas. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, the reason we're laughing is because he oh just God. forgot to record his voice. So now we have to do it all over again. <laughs> but that's fine. So it's going to be a lot better now. Anyway, uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what sort of work you do? Hi, uh, thanks for having me. I'm Kostas Lukovikas, composer, sound designer and recordist at Soundex Machina and in the studio producing context-based sound libraries and custom-built sound effects. Right. And uh, how did you get started in all of this? Uh, what's your background? Well, the, the journey to sound and music started since I was a small kid. My parents always remembered me getting fascinated by hitting various buckets and, and sets. Just to listen to the sounds classic. they made. Yeah, classic. Long story short, uh, started learning piano at the age of eight. Took my first step, steps to composition a few years later with alternative rock and down-tempo music bands. Mm -hmm. Up until I started producing and releasing my own stuff, electronic-based music uh, with computers. 
Uh, and apart from music composition, I I also worked as a sound engineer and operator in the visual sound media department in cultural and conference centers, as well as PA companies, where I became more and more familiar with new media and sound and stuff like that. Fast forward a few years later, I got involved in a series of e-books with traditional tales from all over the world that led me to jump onto sound effects and field recording. Hence the idea of Soundex Machina. Cool. So you did sound effects for these e-books and, and everything? Yeah, exactly, yep. That sounds like a good gig. So you have a number of different um, sound effects libraries out, and you have lots of different stuff from studio stuff, uh, like uh, user interface sounds, and you have some that are obviously recorded in the field. So um, is, what's your preference? Do you do both or like both, or do you prefer one? or? I get pleasure doing both, actually, Christian. Each type has its own magic. Studio work is like a huge playground with microphones and endless choices to play with and experiment. Mm-hmm. I love to turn on uh, the machines, drop sounds in the door, turn knobs and play with plug-in effects, uh, move faders and listen to what will happen. Working in the studio basically allows me to, to easily start sculpting the sound in order to get the feel yeah. uh, that is closer to the given directions and uh, needs of its project. For field recording projects, I pack all my mobile stuff and go literally for hunting. Uh, love sitting for hours in the field, listening to the sound signature of its place, uh, switching between different modes of listening and try to capture that particular sense of the world, if you like. Yeah. Luckily, I live in a place with environmental diversity and it's quite easy to access many widely different interesting soundscapes. So uh, yeah, so you live in the city or in the country? or I live in a city of northern Greece called Xanthi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we came uh, last year in Crete, here in Greece. Yeah, 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 I went to Crete, uh, yeah. So you know uh, what's the environment like? What kind of gear do you use for this, uh, for your studio work and your field work, and, and what, what do you like using? For exterior sound effects and field recordings, especially when I need to record in stealth mode, I use the handheld Zoom H6, mm-hmm. although I'm going after F8 plus sound devices Mix Pre D shortly for more quiet and sensitive sounds. Yeah. I use various types of microphones like the Sennheiser uh, MK8 8060 and Octava microphones MK12 much per figure 8 for MS recording or MK105 for some nice voice parts. Mm-hmm. I also use Rodblip windshield and various Rycode windshields, AKG headphone and a couple of contact mix. In all interior recordings, I always pass my signal, my mix, through the TL Audio Ivory 5051, which is a very warm stereo preamp, EQ, compressor and limiter, and Roland M16DX sound card. In some cases though, like when we were recording Kitchen Sounds library, I moved practically all my studio to the place. All right, okay. So you you, you do a little bit of of everything when you're out there in the field. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Sounds cool. So when you decide to start working on a new library, how do you get started? Is it like an idea you get and then you just go after it? Um, Or is it like, oh, what sort of sounds do I have on my hard drive? I should do something with these. Or how do you get started? I try to do a lot of research before I start recording its library. I learn the restrictions, uh, the technical info, 
type of equipment I could use, uh, scout the location if possible, and such. Yeah. The first thing always is to open a document in Google Drive and start collecting all the necessary information. For example, both in Sounds of Instable and Mediterranean Summertime libraries, I needed to gather as much as possible information about interesting spots, habits of inhabitants, weather condition, yeah. working hours of the museum, ports, uh, road and sea transport uh, resources. Then I start to record and it's a period that I'm really coordinating with the process and it feels like I'm in a meditative experience, mm. just like when I start composing music. In you know in the flow or whatever they call it. So you're so you're pretty systematic about it. You really you really try to prepare yourself uh, for doing this. Yeah, exactly. Is there something that you always find really difficult or challenging about uh, making a library? The biggest challenge are apart from a skill set standpoint, is to cover each subject adequately and provide tools that actually help some professionals unleash their creativity. Uh, it's really important to not lose sight of the product, what people really need and want from us, and uh, whether we're delivering those things or not. It's always a question of balance, actually. Yeah. I remember how hard this was for our first uh, libraries and how we struggled to not lose focus of our products uh, due to our impulses. Yeah. So trying to trying to uh, to sort of balance what you what what seems interesting when you're out there recording with what you know uh, uh, people will find useful actually uh, and, and and keep that in mind so so I guess that sort of leads to the next question here if, if you have a special sound philosophy you definitely seem to have a philosophy about what you should be recording uh, to record things that are useful but then uh, you said you use this uh, this special preamp in the studio this um, TL audio so are you are you concerned with recording something that is absolutely super clean and realistic always or do you sometimes go for something that is a little more flavored or maybe even a little bit unrealistic sometimes uh what what do you prefer it depends on its project the main concept design is to convey context based sound libraries focused on diversity quality and style it's been our aim to to provide maximum creative freedom, including raw, unprocessed sounds with a variety of versions of the same sound with extreme attention to accuracy, especially in cases such as the UI Sounds series and the Analog Days sound library, so that each of our sounds will be ready to use as is. Yeah, okay, so you're not uh, you're not saying, okay, now I've done uh, what whatever, 10 clean sounds, now I'm going to try to run them through some effects and you leave it to the customer to do that? Or In general, yeah, we include raw unprocessed sounds with multiple versions of the same sound. I'd like to ask you if you have any, what should we call them, war stories? Uh, I mean, anything that sort of stands out and has been has been interesting or dangerous or funny or whatever. Always come to mind the experience we had while we were recording cow voices for Animal Farm Library. You read about it in our blog, I think. So 
you know something about I, it? I I did read about it, but we, you you should you should tell it here so everyone can hear it. <laughs> well, uh, we arrived just before night uh, to a remote farm up in the mountains to a rural scenery with rich cow vocalizations echoing beautifully in the air and no city other or other human-made noises. Oh, perfect. The session ended well, and we drove back home. But uh, then our drama began. <laughs> it seems we had brought several dozens fleas back home without knowing it. <laughs> I mean, how we could expect it? <laughs> It's very uncommon to come across fleas in in a farm in Greece uh, these days, and yet there, there they were. <laughs> the fleas were all over the place, and our bodies full of bites. Uh, yeah. Later, after a couple of chemical disinfestation sessions, we realized. Some of them had also nested in the windshields we used that day. I believe there is a picture on your website, actually, of of someone's body with a lot of flea bites on it. It's my it's my body, Christian. It looks it looks horrible. Awful experience. Yeah, right. and the result: seven days exile from our homes and our wives on the edge of a nervous breakdown. So what do you do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we moved to 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 our mom's house in order to to, to clean up the you, what the you house. had to you had to stay away for seven days or what? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> ah, well, of course, Indeed. only 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 your mother would uh, would <laughs> would take you in. <laughs> That's a good one. If someone came to you and asked you, "Okay, I want to start out in uh, independent sound effects. I want to do what you do, Costas." What advice could you give them? I would advise them to just go out and record sounds, basically environments, whatever they like. Experiment, get used to their equipment, compare their sounds with others on the net. Yeah. Read a lot, articles, tutorials, others' experiences, achievements, um, and faults. Yeah, yeah. And constantly question themselves. And start start listening, right? And start. Yep. The more you record, the more you uh, realize what sounds are actually there the moment you press record true and you start listening to it and say oh okay so that was there too i didn't hear it when i was out there but now i hear it yeah changing your way of listening yeah yeah this is true actually okay it's been great talking to you and hearing about your business and your work and what you do and we look forward to uh hearing more interesting sounds from uh, sound ex machina thank you very much for being a part of this Thank you guys. It was really a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure. Me too. Cheers. Venturing into a new field of interest can sometimes be a self-amplifying experience. The more you learn about it, the more practical experiences you gather in the field, whatever it is, uh, the more immersed you become. And field recording has certainly been like that for me. And it's easy enough to get to a level of excitement where you just want to record pretty much constantly because there's so much sound out there, right? But in all likelihood, you'll reach the point of diminishing returns with purely spontaneous recordings, since just walking down the street at a random time and location is a pretty inefficient way to consistently strike sonic gold, so to speak. Adding even a tiny element of planning 
greatly improves your chances of capturing something new and interesting, perhaps even something you hope to capture. And for many field recordists, time is more or less limited. Maybe field recording is merely your hobby. Maybe it's an infrequent part of your job as an audio professional. Whatever the case, the liberty to plan day-long or week-long recording trips is an unattainable luxury for many. It often becomes a matter of figuring out what you can realistically manage to record in the time you have. Of course, how you ideally plan your recording trips depends not only on what you want to record, but also on why you record at all. For instance, I record mostly with the purpose of turning those recordings into sound effects collections. On one hand, that sometimes means lugging around a sound bag with recorder and mixer, shotgun mic, contact mics, binaural mics, whatever, windscreen stands, and so on, to let me record close-up, stereo ambience, and what have you. On the other hand, pretty much anything is a potential subject, so I can record household objects without leaving my home, or I can record the garbage truck whenever it's in my street. For others, recording nature and wildlife is the overwhelming interest. And while some choose quite pragmatically to record whatever animals live in their neighborhood, others acknowledge the fact that the further you get away from urban areas, the more interesting and intense the recordings can get. Depending on where you live, and many of us live in or near cities, that can be a challenging path for a field recordist. Highways and flight paths are two of the worst words in the vocabulary of the nature recordist, and for those lucky enough to have full-time jobs and families, taking time out to travel far enough away that traffic noise is not audible in recordings, well, it may seem a daunting task. But no matter what your thing is, the way to get it done is planning. Don't just assume you'll get around to recording all of your kitchen utensils someday. Plan it. You might need to shut off the fridge for the duration, make sure everyone else is out of the house, etc. And that takes planning. In the same way, don't sit around lamenting the three-day trip to record those rare frogs in that remote swamp that you don't have time for. Plan it. Do your research, find out when the best time to go would be, then decide that you will. Not every weekend is packed with birthdays or wedding anniversaries. For me, as a sound effects recordist, the problem is sometimes deciding what to record when I have a slot of time. Sometimes I know I have about an hour, sometimes it's a lot more. I've made it a habit to keep a mental list of things to record when I have a little bit of time, usually something in my home or a few blocks away, as well as things that require more planning, longer travel times and more recording time. Or maybe it's a one-time event and I need to figure out how to get access. In my case, planning and preparedness actually allows for spontaneity. If I suddenly have a free hour, I know which floorboards creak like crazy and need recording. If the wind picks up, 
I know exactly which construction sites have big tarpaulins that will probably be flapping noisily. And because I talked to some of the neighbors of that site, I know that those huge pile drivers will be making their lives miserable for another six weeks minimum, giving me plenty of time to record them. And this all reminds me of a story I once heard of an old huntsman. He lived many years ago all alone in his little cabin out in the wilderness somewhere. And he'd lived in that same spot his whole life. And he never strayed farther away than his hunting trips took him. Every morning when he stepped outside his cabin, he knew, just by looking at the sky, feeling the wind and using his ears, what the weather would be like that day and where to find his prey. So he knew his surroundings like the back of his hand, simply from living in them and paying attention to them. It's a nice little story, which obviously doesn't apply to everything a field recorder does, or any other person for that matter, but the point is that paying attention is the recordist's most important skill, in my opinion. The more you do it, the more you learn about your immediate surroundings, the easier your planning becomes. Where to record a dog that barks often? Where to record individual cars relatively easy? What time of year the seagulls are nesting and therefore extra vocal? All those things. And a nice side effect of paying attention is appreciation. People around here hate the ever-present seagulls, for instance, for stomping on their roofs, crapping on their cars, and just generally making a racket. But I've come to appreciate them for their incredibly nuanced voices, which adds not only to the atmosphere of this port city I live in, but also a sense of space from the way their voices sort of reverberate around the buildings and over the rooftops. And visually, the way they sometimes sail over the skylight in our bedroom. All of that comes from paying attention and learning to appreciate your surroundings. Now I just need to find a way to set up my gear on the roof without falling down and killing myself. And that will take some planning. Those were some pretty uh, good insights, Christian. Thanks a lot for sharing those. Yeah, I, I hope that'll be of, uh, of use to someone. Has been for me. That's uh, pretty much what we have for this episode. Thanks a lot for listening, and I uh, hope you'll join in again the next time around. See you next time. See you.